A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. You are listening to Missed Apex Podcast. We live F1. Welcome to Missed Apex Podcast, powered by SpannersReady.com, bringing you F1 blogs, reviews, podcasts, occasionally news. Today's episode is called Tell Charlie I'm Sorry. Joining me tonight on the live stream, Reminiscing this and that, having such a good time. Oodalady, oodalady, golly, what a day. It's Matt. Two rumpets. How's it going, Matt? Are you going to do the normal thing where you were all stroppy and angry beforehand and now you're going to pretend to be happy like Ronald McDonald? Let me ask you a question. Uh oh. If you were sat there on mute as you were being introduced, and your trackball, which you would just replace the battery in, suddenly failed to operate so that you could not take it off of mute. What would your response be to this? Just to sort of flap around like an eagle like you just did. But at least you managed to sort it out in the end. That's good. And it is absolutely fantastic to have you here. I just about held the fort after the USA Grand Prix. Although I don't think Jake and Tom are friends anymore after they argued about Kimmy. I forgot to warn Jake about Tom's Kimmy affiliation and also i definitely annoyed bradley philpot who's one of the one of the top guests we've had on missed apex but i'm genuinely not sure if he thinks i'm sane at all he probably thinks you're not sane okay it's very very late here it's a midnight edition of missed apex again this is only for the hardy folk matt but for those of you just finding us we are an independent podcast hosted by spannersready.com home of f1 articles this podcast and maybe another as well. We aim to bring you a race review before your Monday morning commute. We might be wrong, but we're first. This show is safe for work. We're not Sebastian Vettel. We're keeping it clean here, so you can play this with kids in the background and at work. Matt, should we bring some guests on tonight? I think we should bring some guests on tonight. First up, journo extraordinaire after a big sabbatical from Mist Apex. It's Chris Catman-Turner. How's it going, Chris? Hey, good, Spanners. How are you getting on? Very good. I read your stuff. You're still churning them out for F1 Fanatic? 
Yeah, I haven't done any live stuff for a while, but I've been doing all the uh, the previews, so that's all good. Yeah, it's very good. And I still feel bad about when you, you did a bit of young driver work for us and only about four people read it. I felt so guilty. Yeah, and three of them were me and one was my mum, so... Well, thank you very much to Mrs. Catman. Uh, <laughs> uh, but you, you're, you're about to be a parent yourself. You're about to become a father. I am. I'm actually uh, in the nursery at the moment, surrounded by elephants, which was not my choice. But hey, there we go. It's all good. It reminds me of Dumbo, and that's freaky. But Chris, <laughs> I have to reiterate that that is not an appropriate haircut to be a father. Uh, I've gone uh, I've gone full Jedward on you guys here today. You should never, ever go full Jedward. Joining us next is Downforce Radio's tin top hugger. It's Alex Goldschmidt. Hello, Alex. Evening, Spanners. Evening, everybody. Um, yeah, very, very interesting. Um, but I've just been keeping an eye on Twitter at the moment. Oh, yes. Uh, shout out to at Baron Von Clutch, who says that Daniel Ricciardo and Sebastian Vettel summoned to see the stewards. So we'll be getting into that a little bit later on. But yeah. Very interesting. Um, very interesting at the beginning. A little bit of a ball fest in the middle, but... Ooh, That's F1. It always it. sets itself up in the middle of the race uh, into a barnstorming finish. But bad news for mm. you, as Downforce Radio's resident tin-top lover, uh, Audi, binning it because they realise that open-wheel racing is the way forward. So will you finally admit that the thing you love is basically dead? No, it's not the DTM. It's the World Endurance, mate. You're getting your facts all wrong there. They're Aha, all, they're all the they're same. They're still racing in the DTM, but they've lost one of their best drivers in the DTM already to Mercedes-Benz. So what I... can you say, mate? What can you say? I knew that I, I had a feeling they'd go full electric with their um, automotive restructuring. Uh, very sad they've gone from the WECE. I love that. That was awesome. I didn't know there was more than one kind of racing series with roofs on, so I've learned something there. <laughs> Rounding off the panel is Alex Vangine. How's it going, Alex? Good evening, Spanners. How are we all doing this evening? Well, you've really ruined everything for us because we've got two Alexes on again. Obviously, we know Alex That's goes... your fault, not yeah, mine. I know it is. It's a booking error. That's bad scheduling. We know Alex uh, Goldschmidt goes by Goldie, and you, with your Dutch name, traditionally, old school, in the 80s, you would have been either Cloggy van or jeansy so i I think i'm gonna go with jeansy thanks you look like you love it why don't we go on to some racing car stuff actually quite a few pre-race tidbits matthew quite an interesting build up to the mexican grand prix as they celebrated their day of the dead lots of spooky goings on almost like a warm-up for our own halloween celebrations yeah yeah there was some stuff that happened but honestly i forgot it all after i watched the race yeah that last 10 minutes of the race kind of knocked it all out well you know vettel started how we meant to go on first calling alonso an idiot for blocking people and then promptly going and blocking people yes well i i do love the uh i've been there and i understand my friend tone of alonso's response and told that vettel was cursing him out he's like oh yes it's very frustrating we've all been there i know it was just like it was there there poor lad <laughs> Well, yeah, I, I've been in your shoes. I understand why you are so unhappy. Okay, so the most interesting bit of driver shuffle news was that Magnussen had been offered a has contract if they decide not to keep Gutierrez. And I would have seen that as a genuine contract offer had Gutierrez not in the press conference 
been basically going on about, oh, Haz is terrible. I don't know if I'm going to stay here. I don't know what I'm going to do. So basically what I think is happening is Gutierrez has been told, you've got to bring X amount of dollars. He's saying no, X minus Y. And then they've gone, well, we could just have K-Mag, who does have a bit of money from a Danish fashion firm. Catman? Yeah, they also made that announcement at his home Grand Prix. I think that is (laughs) not a coincidence. They're just fishing for money, I think. Yeah, and it was also reported that Magnussen would not have to bring any money to the table. Wow. So obviously, like, how can how can that be the good basis for a working relationship next year? They just held each other to ransom, basically. Right. So they held each other to ransom recently. But let's admit it. Haas is essentially trying to extort money from Carlos Slim through the good graces of Gutierrez. And Gutierrez and or Slim are not necessarily wanting to play ball. So Magnuson, Renault, Renault might be looking to clean house altogether. It's an easy offer for them to make. It's contingent on what Gutierrez does, and it puts the ball squarely back in their court. And as has been rightly pointed out, at one's home Grand Prix, it's a message. It's not a question. He's just trying to get as much money out of Mexico as possible before they build a wall between the two countries. Exactly. Catman, we have an American on the podcast, and that is super, (laughs) super insensitive. So please, please, and and at least until they're safe Uh, next month. Let's just hold off on the on the wall. <laughs> I can't, can't help it. All right, guys. Let's uh, let's move on to the race, Matt. Um, yeah, are we going to skip qualifying and what happened altogether? Yeah, pretty much, just because of the amount of things to talk about. Well, I then okay. If we're going to skip qualifying and what happened altogether, what we don't skip and what was important was the tire selection in Q two, as as was prefaced by as was prefaced by the um, performance of Mercedes on the soft tires in FP3, they elected to go soft with their Q2 choice, whereas Red Bull decided to try and be more aggressive and go super soft, yielding them an advantage at the beginning, but potentially putting them in for one more pit stop, which actually wound up being the case for, for Ricardo there in the actual race. So that was one thing that would be worth mentioning. The other thing that would be worth mentioning was Nico Rosberg's utter lack of pace until his very last lap in Q3. He has struggled all week at this track, and it was down to his teammates, uh, I don't know, what would you call it, having put his pulse on the car a little bit better. He borrowed Hamilton's settings and was able to work it into a good enough lap for P2, which also wound up being crucial in the outcome of the race. Well, we've got two points there, haven't we? We've got the fact that he allegedly stole setup, and by setup, do we mean the actual setup of the car, or do we? Hang mean... on, hang on. That's not editorializing. I'm going to allow. They share setup information and have done. Right, which is the point I'm making. Which is that's perfectly fine, and we know all about that. But the further suggestion is that they're actually looking at the driving data, looking at the telemetry, seeing where they brake, seeing where they accelerate, that kind of thing. So is that the kind of sharing that Lewis Hamilton fans were getting excited about, and why he was able to pull that lap out at the end of Q3? There's no way that would switch from the beginning of a session to the end of the session just by reading someone's breaking points because you need time to work on something like that. You can't just go, oh, okay, he's breaking here. I'll break there. It doesn't work that way. Um, what I think we found was the temperatures were going up towards the end of the session and Nico actually managed to get the heat better into his tyres because that's what Lewis was perfecting. As we always know about Lewis, he's got this aggressive 
driving style which warms up the tires that's why he was get, able to get that pace out of it um and i think the issue that nico had was he wasn't getting the temperatures in the last final ends of the session the temperatures rose by one to two degrees which makes a massive difference on the tires and therefore he pulled the lap out and he put in a good lap he did yet that lap was still well behind lewis hamilton only only just ahead of the red bulls but everyone was yeah and lewis said that he still had a little bit more to go my, what I'm wondering about is where that lack of pace has come from, because that's a big gap between the two of them. And where we've seen a big gap between those two previously is in the rain. So is my thinking wrong here? In the rain, there's less grip. In Mexico, there's less air, less downforce, less grip. Am I, am I miles off the, the the mark here? Does Rosberg need to be planted? I think what has been apparent since they've been together at Mercedes is there's always been on ultimate outright pace between Lewis and Nico. There's always been between two and four tenths. And that's been shown. I think one of the other factors you've got to consider is the track temperature as well, because the difference between qualifying and the race was 13 degrees when we, we hit 55 degrees track temperature. So no one was able to switch on the tires. Whereas the, uh, the cooler temperatures today might have helped the people on the mediums a little bit more. Uh, Rosberg took pole and, and stormed to the win last year as well. So it was very, very different to see how Lewis still said that he had another, probably at least another tenth, maybe a couple of tenths as well, to, to maybe have bettered, his, bettered on his last time, but four thousandths of a second out. And Matt, a big hello to the chat room in the live stream. Quite well populated, I'm hearing. Yeah, there are a few people in the chat room and boy, do they have a lot to say. Let Hooray. me scroll back up. I've generally been ignoring them because I wanted to get in with that point about the tire temperatures. And it really also goes back to their basic driving style. We know that Lewis likes a pointier front end, and we know that getting the front tires up to temperature, uh, Red Bull was able to do it in one lap, but all the other people in quality took two laps. And it's just that little bit of difference of really getting in the sweet spot of the tires could be behind a lot of Rosberg's struggles, but he did not look happy. And, and it was remarked on by all of the commentators, both Five Live and Sky, that I heard that he just seemed a little less than happy the entire weekend. And whether that's down to tires and temps and his struggles, or whether he just went the wrong direction with setup and that added to those woes, I, I don't really know, but probably it was a mix of the two. Or is that pressure of having the possibility of taking the title this weekend bearing down on him making difficult decisions? I see you shaking your head, Alex. Button. Um, I don't agree. When, you, when you're in that position and when you're going through, firstly, the setup, he talks about it, but most of it's done by the engineers these days. They know where the cars need to be. But the whole thing about is Nico just taking it easy? Is Nico just sitting behind Lewis? I can't buy it because no racer does that because the problem is it's like when you try and push too hard if you try and back off you're as prone to mistakes as making as as when you're pushing that makes sense shall we move on there it seems like that kind of time pretty standard start there matt Everyone got safely through two by two <laughs> through the corners. No, right by right at the front, we saw drama. Lewis Hamilton got a good start. He got away cleanly and then locked he up. He got in. a blistering start. Oh my god! I'm sorry, but I had to do that because you know he like locked up his tire and. You're a dad, aren't you? It. You're a dad. Yeah, 
Good joke. Excellent. Look at look at Jeansy. Look at Jeansy with his head in his hands at that joke. It was funny. I swear it was funny, really. I need to take it. It wasn't. It was like a joke from my dad and he's mid-60s. But yeah, so that's the first controversy. So basically, why no penalty for Lewis? Why no penalty for Max hitting Nico? Why no penalty for Nico coming off the track and instead of rejoining the track, cutting the corner to keep the pace? Why a penalty for Sainz? And was there a penalty for Gutierrez? Answer all those things all at the same time. Go on, Matt. Me? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. So one, Hamilton, no penalty, two reasons. Number one, he was almost a car length clear as he entered the turn. He locked up and crucially, I think relative to Verstappen, relative to Verstappen, you see him make a dead level attempt to turn on the asphalt rather than cut across the grass and that whole chunk of turn. And as soon as he starts to turn, he got some snap oversteer. He compensated, and at that point, he had to travel across the grass. So unlike Verstappen, who made no attempt to come back onto the track without going across the grass, Mm. he actually did. That's thing number one. Thing number two, you had, of course, Rosberg behind him taking his own shortcut across turn two in order to stay ahead of Verstappen, with whom he'd had some minor contact. So again, this is not really giving him the same sort of advantage that Verstappen got on Vettel much later in the race. And of course, the most important point of all was no sooner did he do that than we saw the virtual safety car and then the actual safety car, which immediately nullified everything anyway. Right, so well, I would say from the mind of the stewards, that's why they did what they did. Well, they I'm going to go to Catman. Do. And to be honest, I, I don't see the indecision of stewards as a decision because you think a lot of the time no penalty is a decision in itself a lot of the time i think no penalty means they just couldn't make a decision to me catman if lewis had not locked up maybe the pack would have been closer to him he's taken the decision to break later therefore locked up and if he hadn't have done that maybe they would have been on him yeah i i agree with that because you know he was he was probably breaking quite late and he was on the inside line so normally you'd have to break a little bit earlier anyway so i think the pack would have been closer but a key difference as well between hamilton and verstappen was when hamilton went off the circuit he didn't keep his foot in the throttle you can hear the engine note dying down and he lost some speed whereas verstappen just kept a little bit a little bit of throttle on you could hear his engine note kind of bobbling up and down so i think he was just trying to do a bit of rally cross whereas uh, i think uh, hamilton was just generally trying to avoid an incident go ahead alex also as lewis pointed out on the radio there was a massive differential in the brake temperatures 100 degree 100 degrees left to right you could tell straight from the second he he applied the brakes the wheel locked and that doesn't happen so i think they would have probably given him a little bit for that and he probably quite severely damaged his tires as well yeah, and just to add on to that, in a post-race interview, he was he he mentioned that one of the brakes had actually glazed, and that was also contributed to his difficulties controlling the car into the first turn. But he did still get a pretty big advantage out of it. Exactly, and to be honest, though, he's gone into the first turn. He didn't make the first turn. Everybody else had to make the turn, and he's come out leading the Grand Prix I don't understand how you can get away with that Jeansy lay it on me you look like you're going to disagree but to me he's got he's gone off the track there's no way he should be any other lap yeah any other lap I'd agree with you it's the first lap on in any form of racing you get away with stuff on the first lap 
because you're avoiding things. I mean, he wasn't avoiding anything. He actually had an issue, which is what sent him off the track. Um, you know, the Rosberg thing. It was first. If the Rosberg-Max thing had happened another lap, because Max hit Rosberg, Max very well may have got a penalty for that. It would have been harsh, but he could have been uh, under, under under more investigation for that. But I think because it's the first lap, they do kind of let think more things slide than normal yeah you were saying that you organize online ps4 races and you actually give instructions similar to this on your first laps yeah so for example we're racing tomorrow night in spain and there's going to be 16 of us piling into the first corner and i've told people that if you don't think you're going to make the corner because there's people in the way get off the track but um, when rejoining the track you, you have to let people go if you hit someone rejoining the track you're getting a penalty for it Okay, so you do a Kimmy, you mean <laughs> something like that? Goldie, what's up? Well, um, I actually have to side with uh, with Mister Van Jean on this one because, as everyone, as you introduced me earlier, yes, I am a tin top hugger, but in the DTM, Boo. there is a gentleman's agreement that lap one, and this happened on the penultimate race of this season, and I was there watching the action as a media representative that pretty much a quarter of the grid went wide into the Nord Curva, which is the same track that the Formula 1 cars use as well. And it wouldn't at all surprise me if there was a gentleman's agreement that if you are thinking that you're going to have a bit of a brown Nomex moment, you might as well lift off the throttle and try and get out of the way. And if that means avoiding action off the track, so be it. Okay, chat room's coming in. Steve B1337. Is there really that many Steve B's? Uh, The wall introduction isn't such a bad idea after all. Anonymous5 says, yes, what if there was a wall there? Uh, That would make them turn for sure. And uh, and that's why there should be gravel off the track. Ooh, that's a whole other subject. But there isn't, as uh, as Jeansy pointed out in the chat room, there isn't gravel there. So there was runoff. There was grass. It's not like there was no traction penalty for going off. Uh, I just, I just feel like had there not been a virtual safety car, had there not been a safety car, and him, he had been not been backed up into Rosberg, they might have investigated that a little bit more thoroughly. Ask Lewis going into that first corner if he could do it again. Would he do it again? The answer would be no. He'd, he'd again, hold it. Yeah. He would never have wanted to have done that. It's not an intentional thing and he didn't gain on it so it's pointless and if he'd give, if they'd have given him a five second penalty he had the gap anyway in his pit stop so he would have he would have stepped kept the lead anyway all right should we go on to whose fault it was with uh, with nico does anyone disagree with matt's assessment because at first i thought nico was banged to rights and i was yelling well lewis has got a penalty that's i thought he would have to get a penalty for that i thought nico would definitely have to get a penalty because he lost that overtaking that battle he got run out wide as he does uh, so so often gets run out on the outside of a corner instead of trying to make it back onto the track he just cut turn two and, and came back out ahead and I, I was screaming at the tv wondering why that wasn't a penalty but catman he did take a bit of a knock on the way through yeah and that's the only reason i think he'd got away without penalties because if if max had forced him off and not made contact i think he would have got a penalty for skipping that part of the corner but because he got feel forcibly pushed off i think they let him have it hmm. Are we talking about the Rosberg-Verstappen incident? I think, well, Max actually had the inside line for that corner. So it was his corner. And if they were going to bang wheels and someone was going to come off worse, Rosberg coming back onto the track, that could have been another, that could have been a penalty for him. So I'm in agreement with you, Spanners, on that one. Right, yeah, but I flip-flopped. Which which version of me are you in agreement with? That My snap reaction I, or my considered reaction? 
your snap reaction. All right. Okay. Good, because that would have that would have increased Lewis Hamilton's lead potentially. Uh, so uh, why then? Why then, Matt? Go, on, Matt. You you go. Uh, let's suppose they were just as naughty as Verstappen was. They would both have gotten a five second penalty. Yeah. Hamilton beat Rosberg by eight seconds, and Rosberg was about eleven seconds, ten, about nine seconds up on Vettel. Wouldn't have changed a thing. Now you say that, but I'm surprised that's only when those penalties are given retrospectively. Normally, if you gain an advantage by going off the track, you get a little message saying "give the place back," and that's why I was expecting Hamilton to have to do to give the place back. And that yeah, wouldn't... except for there was no place to give back. Who was alongside him into turn one? Well, no one oh, was. Oh, along... that's right, nobody. Yeah, but no one was alongside him because he left it too late to break, locked he, up, but... and went into the grass. No, he didn't leave it too late to break. And I think this is where you've got it hopelessly wrong yet again. And I think <laughs> Mr. Van Gene is all over it, oh, like a certain color all over a certain grain product. In, in that he 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 took his normal braking point, but his brakes were not working properly. That's why his wheel locked up. This is sounding very much like last week when you were wrong about track limits. I was really, yeah, fine. The, to be honest, though, on Twitter, two people just told Bradley that I won that debate fair and square. So according to my very small sample size on Twitter, I completely bossed that Bradley. Sorry about that. Uh, so let's move on then, because we saw a really weird incident where Wehrlein, Wehrlein, Pascal Wehrlein, who's not known for being a maverick particularly, all of a sudden just seemed to wipe out a Sauber. And you go, well, how did that come about? And we saw the replays at about lap 20, and you're like, ah, Gutierrez. Okay, it all makes sense now. Yeah, but, you know, I they, they showed that again at the end of the race. And uh, as much as I do love to blame Gutierrez and the way that one loved to blame Maldonado, et cetera, and so on, there are certain villains in Formula One that we always – Petrov was always fun too, especially <laughs> if you were a fan of Alonso. Uh, the fact of the matter is he was, he was well ahead. He got brake checked and wound up in a sandwich between the Renault – in the manner, and then it was just there was nothing to be done about it at that point. They made contact, it spun the manor into the Renault, end of story. Everybody lost some carbon fiber, and Pascal, sadly, that was the end of his race. Yeah, very yeah, yeah it, it was a shame because you know, when we get into a turn one incident, you, there are people that are going to be brake checked, as as Trumpets just said there, or squeezed. And it was it was only a matter of time before we were going to have 22 cars going night and down. A 920 meter straight from pole position and row one for someone to at least be a casualty. And yeah, it ended up being the person that did win the DTM championship in 2015. I have to say that Pascal wasn't flustered by it. He just got out of the car, walked back to the pits, just went, oh, well, it's happened. Almost like he's a handsome millionaire and life's going to be fine anyway. As is my want to do on strategy, I go to the person who knows the most about that sort of thing. That person is my friend, Matthew Abraham Trumpets. Matt, where was the race won and lost? Because I never bought Red Bull's optimism that their 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 punt at the start on the Supersofts was going to do them any good at all. Because it's a big, big gamble to say, we're going to overtake the two Mercs at the front and that's the only way our tactics are going to work out. That was a fail for me. 
Well, it was not the only way their tactics were going to work out, but it was probably the favored way. Get ahead of the Mercedes, set your own pace, come in early for an undercut and put them under pressure. However, instead of that strategy, we had the safety car brought out by aforementioned Gutierrez, Verline, and Ericsson incident, which immediately crushed, I think, any hope they had of making that strategy work. And to what seemed like add misery to that dumpster fire of a start for them. Ricardo got off to a particularly bad start. So they immediately chose to pit him and get him onto the medium tires, but at such an early point in the race that he was going to have to make a second stop. Now, it wasn't the end of the world because it did set up, again, uh, multiple options at the end for trying to chase down a Mercedes. But the reality was he was back out into so much traffic getting up to P2 or P1 was going to be a highly unlikely occurrence. Uh, Big text 44 in the chat room says, anytime you have Max up front to throw darts at the arrows, that's a strategy. Uh, I do like that thinking. But um, Red Bull have been want of late to basically just split the strategies. They They wouldn't do this, I think, if they were up front fighting for the title. But when they're just looking for race results, basically when there's any scenario, they Jensen button it, but on both sides. So they basically tossed the coin on both sides. And on this occasion, because Ricardo had had the bad start, they threw him you know, into the pits. But then you come back out in a big, long tra- chain with nowhere to overtake even the slower cars, Catman. So it was a bit of a nightmare. Yeah, but I think that would have been a good strategy because everybody would have been on the same medium tyres. He wasn't losing an awful lot. And if he pitted, you know, as he did 20, 15 laps before the end, that would have been great. He's on the softer tyres. It would have, he would have made good progress. The problem was is that the, the Pirelli mediums were just not degrading at all. They were just well too conservative with their choice of tyres here. And, and that really limited the strategy options for the race for me. And that's why you can no longer be on the show, because that was a point I was saving for much later. Oh. <laughs> Go on, Matt, then, uh, then what else have we got for strategy? Well, what we have for strategy, and, and this is interesting because I, I remember pointing this out in the WhatsApp chat, the, the roughly the pit lane delta for, for Mexico is around 25 seconds. And we saw a variety of cars struggling, again, because of that early safety car with pretty much everybody behind the, the first 10 places was on the soft tire. So they were going to run long. They were going to run like a Hamilton length stint up between 15 and 20 laps. If you're on the super softs and you're having a hard time with them, they're not going to last that long. So what we saw was sort of this mad scramble to try and get people out of pit stop windows. And it all culminated right after Hamilton's stop lap 18 with Rosberg now at the front really having to push hard to be able to get out, I believe it was in front of Hulkenberg, but he ran several laps uh, at a fairly fast pace, pretty much on his limit at that point, I would have guessed, to try and and get ahead of the people he needed to get ahead of in order to keep his race from being utterly ruined and to keep him in the championship picture the way he wanted to be, which was finishing no worse than second. Wow, that shut everybody right up, didn't it? So if, I think... It, go on, sorry. All, all I was going to say onto onto that point was if this had not been the title, Constructors title already wrapped up, would they have made that same call or Rosberg would have been pulled in first? No, first would have been worse. You had that point made and it would have been worse because he would have had more traffic to pass to get back to the... Um, 
pit stop adjusted competition. I think Mercedes are very clever because they saw the Massa Perez fight. And the Massa Perez fight is what slowed down Max and Danny Rick because before they caught up to Perez and Massa, um, Danny Rick had him. If if Rosberg had pitted then, they'd have got him. But because they waited a couple of laps because they were stuck behind a fighting um, Force India and Williams, that gave Rosberg his gap putting in those um, really, really quick laps. Yeah, because it was around 22 seconds when, when Hamilton came in between Rosberg and um, Ricardo, who I think at that point had already made a stop and so was coming back. And that was what they were looking at because they knew Verstappen had to come in. Okay then, Matt, tell me why. You know that I've been on a bit of a downer on Ferrari and their strategy calls. Have I caught you on the hop here, Matt? Uh, No, go ahead. So Kimi ends up doing a a two-stop, but he pits. (laughs) Yeah, because he really needed to and those of you at home cannot see my air quotes when i said the word needed but yeah okay go ahead your question okay but given that all right you've got you've gotten kimmy out the way in the most political way you can and he possibly would have struggled to keep vettel behind him on all the tires towards the end of the race anyway it makes perfect sense but with only like 27 laps left why didn't he go onto the softs and it just seems like ferrari always just do the slightly unexpected thing in a kind of gambly kind of way, and it doesn't pay off because they were running fine on the softs. There's no issue. They were struggling on the super softs. They weren't struggling on the softs. So why didn't they give Kimi a pair of softs? Had he run out? That is a question I don't know. Anybody else? Um, I think because when in qualifying, Sebastian was talking about um, wanting the super softs to perform like the softs. Uh, They said something about the fact that the Ferrari boys didn't come with many softs. Uh, so, so that could have it. been part. Of, that could have been part of the issue. But I think the thing with the thing that's baffling me with, with me baffling me with Ferrari is they're not going aggressive on strategy. They're not going sort of defensive on strategy like Williams seem to be. They're just kind of in the middle. Just I don't think they know what they're doing. But I think the thing that I like about what Red Bull are doing is they will happily split the strategies because the constructors' championship's gone. Yeah, they don't really care about anything else. They just want to win a race. So if they can split the strategy that might get them ahead to win a race, that's all they want to do. And and I think well, they that... might, sorry, they might care about Ricardo keeping third in the drivers' championship. But that aside, yes, absolutely. But but I think both drivers are actually up for the policy of splitting the strategies, Chris. Yeah, and and the problem with Ferrari, I think, is that they're they're just not trying to really beat the Mercedes or the Red Bull. To be honest, they. They're, they're not going aggressive as as Alex said. They just they kind of sit there to, to beat them. They need they haven't got the pace to beat them on on raw merit. So they then have to do something different to beat them. And that's exactly where Red Bull are doing the business. Because if you split the strategy, one of them is going to be right, one of them is going to be wrong, and you put them under pressure. And then they have to make their own decisions as to what they do. So I I think Ferrari just are a bit clueless at the moment. Okay, here's my favourite bit of podcasting on F1: is whose fault is this? Now, in the week, Vortex Mortio said on Twitter that I was wrong to assign blame. And I think, what were we talking about at the time? Yes, we were talking about Sebastian's turn one in the USA Grand Prix. That's because he doesn't know your wife. Yeah, and my wife, if the house was on fire, we could not vacate everyone to safety until we established whose fault it was. So I'm going to get her to record a bumper to that effect. The house is on fire. Whose fault is this? 
Is it not always your fault, Spanners, if it's your wife talking? It is, but we have to go through the process of establishing (laughs) it's my fault. And often it's not even enough for me to accept responsibility. I have to get there on my own and give detailed reasons why. So... Kind of like rubbing the puppy's nose in it, as it were. Exactly. She's trying to teach me. So before we get to whose fault is this, I just want to take a moment to give a shout out to Preston in the USA. He's listening with his boys, Patrick and Ian. And he gave me a bit of feedback saying, as if you haven't already been overly bombarded with Americans this week, here's a few thoughts for you from Patreon. He's saying, uh, yes, bring on the American access to the Mist Apex t-shirts. Americans will buy anything with a t-shirt on. Is that correct, Matt? Yes, we will buy anything with a, anything on a t-shirt. Absolutely. The midweek waffle cast, he continues, was great as an unedited edition. More of those would be great, especially during the season. Matt, we're getting you set up to produce. We are on this, aren't we? Oh, yeah, totally. Completely on it. No worries at all. Just like raking in on a one stop. There will definitely be no delays. Uh, if Is it possible to record the video feed from the podcast and post it to YouTube privately for Patreons of a certain level only? He says he'd love to see the podcast grow in prominence. There's no other outlet that balances competence with wit, snark, that's you, Matt, and humour, uh, that's not you, Matt, around F1. All the others feel like the driver's press conference. Uh, what you've created is unique. Well, that's certainly a massive confidence. Uh, confidence boost and compliment keep up the great work he says my boys and i really enjoy the show so again thank you very much to preston patrick and ian so what we have done obviously the way we prefer people to consume this is live on the live stream matt so they can join in and give us input on the chat but if they can't absolutely so we can ignore them in the chat room what better way to welcome you to mr what's that look it was a joke, honestly. I'm pretty sure no you said you were going to watch the chat room. But anyway, so yeah. now all patrons can now watch the video at any time. So if you don't know what a patron is, if you go to spannersready.com and go to the Contact Us page, you can support the show for as little as one cent. Uh, one cent? Is that how you say it? One cent a month. Uh, but any pledge uh, will get you the password to spannersready.com forward slash members. Uh, and I'm sure it's easy to hack the way I've set it up. But look, we really are looking for a very small amount. So I'm, I'm hoping it's not worth hacking. Uh, the hack is very obvious if you can get in there. But uh, it is making a real difference what we're getting. So now you're getting a little something in return. Also, we put a forum in there for members only to chat on. Uh, the forum is the first place we will go for feedback and input. And we had a message from Sam Harper, who is already enjoying the members area, who said that is a really good idea. I've always wanted to watch the live streams but I'm never near my PC when they're on. So hopefully we have a solution there. Matt? Right. Preston, Patrick, and Ian saying hi from the chat room. Excellent. Okay, good. And uh, thank you for bearing with me. I was struggling, squinting at the screen, trying to trying to read the show notes. Okay, so on to whose fault is this? We were hoping, as good patriot British people, that Lewis Hamilton's key rival, Nico Rosberg, nice fist pump from Catman there, that, that Rosberg was going to get caught by Max Verstappen. And of course, he had a great dive down the inside, which we'll talk about where it was a brave move. It didn't quite come off. So in the end, what we had was this great three-way scrap with Verstappen leading Vettel on fresher tyres, who was coming up to get him, being caught as well by Daniel Ricciardo, first off, Max cuts a corner to stay ahead of Verstappen. So, Alex, you didn't think it was Hamilton's fault uh, when he cut the corner. So, obviously, you think Verstappen is innocent too. 
Well, of course, I didn't think it was Lewis's fault. I'm, I'm fussy, <laughs> of course. No, um, Lewis, is, as I've explained why I didn't think Lewis's was, but um, I think Alex said it before, which was um, Max kept his foot in. Matt, um, Max braked, locked up, straightened it up, put his foot to the floor and drove through the grass. That's why it's Max. That's why Max deserves penalty for it. Right. So I'm just going to take this advantage to correct everybody. The first incident was Hamilton. The second was Verstappen, but it wasn't Verstappen staying in front of Max. It was Verstappen staying in front of Vettel, Mr. Reddy. Did I That's say that? That's a very good point. Yeah, right. um, Vettel was Vettel wasn't alongside like I first thought he was. Vettel was very, very close, putting him under pressure and making him go defensive, but he wasn't alongside like I thought he was. But it's still it's still blatant. And it's not the first lap. And it's also worth considering the large amount of controversy that was generated several years ago in Canada when a very similar thing happened. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. And Rosberg went straight on and gave himself a rather big advantage over Hamilton. Because I remember more than a little bit of digital ink being spilled over that at the time to the point where they, they issued some upgraded recommendations to the drivers in the following race. Catman? Yeah, was that at the final chicane where they then had to introduce that silly yeah. bollard they have to drive around now? I believe it was. Mm. Yeah, it's because um, he, he was on the outside and he locked up and just skated straight across the the, the tarmac runoff area. And yeah, took himself. A, yeah. Sorry, right out of DRS. There's much more to gain by cutting that final chicane in Canada because you're going across tarmac. No damage to your tyres, no problem with snow, no risk of spinning. Because also, if you cut across the grass, you put any amount of throttle on, might be too much, especially with the torque of these cars, you can spin it across the grass. So you've still got to take it really easy across the grass. He went off at that last chicane, strained it up, and floored it. That's why That's why that one was a lot more precarious yeah. than this one was. And Verstappen had great car control to, to rally cross across that bit of uh, grass. There. I thought that was quite impressive. Well, his car control is something that's never been in doubt. <laughs> it wasn't as good, quite as good as Alonso earlier on, as I think Matt said already. 
that was class. I love that. Alonzo's <laughs> save was astonishing. Yeah. Did you know who else did that? And you won't know because we're talking about motorsports and I'm talking about bike racing. But back in the day in one of the tours, Lance Armstrong took a massive cross-country shortcut to avoid a fallen rider at the last minute. He bunny hopped up down a slope and managed to spot about a three-foot drop to the road, climbed off his bike, climbed down, got back on, and managed to just stay in the lead of the group chasing him. So it's not just motorsports where this happens. Sparks it must have been the drugs. Uh, well, the, 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 maybe the endurance, but not, not, not the bike control, my friend, as you well know. I couldn't Ooh. resist that. But we've irritated yeah. Spanners by talking about something other than Formula One. Sorry. Sorry, Spanners. Sorry. Spanners. Do you know what? I've had to put up with a lot today. I've had to put up with Ryan coming in talking about MotoGP, where apparently 1,700 people have won two races uh, between them. And, <laughs> and basically, anyone can randomly win at any point. It's basically so none of the races mattered. Now anyone can just win. Uh, we've got, obviously, Tin Top Lover over there. And now you're talking about pedal bikes. Push bikes, Matthew. Absolutely ridiculous. Okay, so you all think that it's Max's fault here, but less clear, I think, is Seb's move to Ricardo. But before we get there, guys, there was a bit of a cheeky manoeuvre from Verstappen, who some people suspect only put himself ahead on the grass and only didn't give up that place because he knew he could then back Vettel up into Ricardo. Ricciardo, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It was a, a totally a team game. And the, the message across the, the team radio for him to, to give the place back, I'm sure there would have been one following saying, do you know what, actually probably don't do that. Probably just slow up a bit and, and back him in. And I think Vettel picked up on that as well during his many uh, excitable radio messages. I, I think he was quite upset about it. Yeah, sorry for this. I'm a little bit behind. But at this point, the chat room feels like it's appropriate to bring up IndyCar since we've already talked about everything else. So thank you, Heartbreak Ridge. But to bring it back onto topic, Matt. Yeah, no, absolutely. I completely agree. It, it was 100% a decision. I would assume there was no radio uh, chatter about it because all that happened was Verstappen was told to give the place back to Vettel. Uh, maybe that, that was code for on, under no circumstances, give him the place back, back him into Ricardo as quickly as you can. But... Uh, it was obvious to anybody with half a brain that's what was going on. His mealy mouth uh, denials to the contrary, notwithstanding. That would be a very I, complicated set of radio instructions they have there. Massively impressive, impressive if true. Not even mad. I think the fact that that, um, that Max uh, locked up going into turn one probably had a lot to do it as well. You saw how much um, Danny Rick dropped off the pace when he locked up overtaking Seb and it was quite a big lock up on Max from, you know, 230 miles an hour, whatever it was. So um, I think a lot of it has a lot to do with Max's tyre had gone off. But by the time he kind of got on top of it, yes, he probably had thought, well, I might as well try and help my teammate out. But does Max think that way? I don't know if he does. Yes, right. But see, that was the thing of it. He didn't get the place back, which made me think that it was a team ploy. When the team came over the radio and told him to get the place back, I very, very much expected a um, rant over the radio to come back going, no, I'm not giving it back. Hmm. When did he do that once before? Mm. <laughs> I, I'm, not, I'm not here to finish insert current position. I'm more thinking against signs last yeah. year in Singapore. So, Matt, do you Singapore? want to see... Uh, yes, yeah, it was. Do you there honestly you 
Do you honestly think that that Max came up with that idea himself to back him up into Ricardo? Because he, I don't think he's the most benevolent driver in the world. Yes, he would have come up with it himself, but not to help out Ricardo, simply to do more damage to Vettel. No, I disagree. Bingo. I don't agree because it's Red Bull versus Ferrari. Do you not get this? I mean, like, yes, I realize that that my particular. He's like, well, but I mean, it's multiple things. Number one, if I finish in front, who knows? Maybe they won't penalize me. After all, Lewis didn't get a penalty, did he? Hey, I can go with that. And also, if I back him up into Ricardo, then double damage. Maybe he'll wind up, it'll be two Red Bulls in front of the Ferrari. And won't that be fun for Sebastian? I actually like that. Sorry, the racer racer in me says, um, if you think you're going to get a penalty for something, you don't go backwards. You do everything you possibly can to go forwards to get what you think is going to be a five-second gap. Okay, I think you've all done Max Verstappen a disservice because it might be different next season when they're fighting for the title. But this year, I genuinely think there's a camaraderie between the two drivers where they would do anything to help each other. And obviously, I expect that to disappear next season. But this year, I'm I'm seeing it. I'm seeing that they want big wins for the Red Bull team. Catman, you shaking your head at me? No, I was agreeing. Absolutely. You know, it's the same as uh, Lewis and Nico were best buddies since they were in nappies. And, and all of a sudden, as soon as the title came on the line, they they hate each other and want to kill each other. So, yeah, I think Ricardo and Verstappen, best of buddies right now, but maybe not when uh, when there's that big prize on offer. Big I think when the big prize comes on offer, we'll start to see that um, smile ever that is ever present with Danny Rick change. I, I find it impossible to believe that when Danny is embroiled in a championship fight, that he will still be the incredibly funny, happy chappy that we all love at the moment. I don't see it lasting. Yeah, but he, I hope it. I hope it does. But he, he wasn't smiling in the uh, the interviews after the race today. Absolutely not. When it doesn't go his way, he he, he does struggle to keep the smile on. He was still kind because of because he's human. Sorry, man. yeah, because he's human. Yeah, absolutely. I agree completely chat room is saying the anonymous five yeah it's a good partnership between max and danny anonymous 391 i don't believe that max wants to be number one over rick heartbreak ridge double down max and uh, big tex is saying that no he was just being obstinate and sticking it to the stewards and it just happened to help daniel ricardo okay this is the big one for me the big whose fault is this matt when ricardo had ricciardo had a chance to put it down the inside of sebastian vettel to me, cut and shut case. That's not how you say it. Open and shut case. They've said, you now cannot move in the braking zone. And he 100% moved in the braking zone. He took a suddenly in the braking zone, took the line you would take if you were diving uh, down to the for the car in front. So it almost looked like he was making a move to the inside of Max Verstappen, but he wasn't. It was a block. It was a move in the braking zone to block Daniel Ricciardo and then an incredible scene of watching both of those cars trying to manoeuvre under braking. You could see they were both under braking because Sebastian was really wrestling the car to keep it on the track and, and Ricciardo was still trying to get past but also taking avoiding action. Gene Z, what have I, what have I missed? Why, why hasn't he got penalised or has he? Well, this is what we're waiting on. I think um, Goldie's been keeping his eye on the Twitter feed, so we haven't heard anything yet because last I heard he was still being investigated and obviously Goldie said they've been both called to the stewards. But not only did he move in the braking zone 
Allah Max has been doing. He continued to yeah, move. It was in worse. the breaking zone. He was he was right on the far right hand side of the circuit after having made his move from the left hand side of the circuit. Braked as you see them both break because Danny braked a little bit later, and then then Seb continues to move across, and that's not the racing line. So as far as it's a closed case, as far as I'm concerned, if Vettel doesn't get a penalty for that, I'd be I'm baffled. Yeah, and I'm going to be boring and agree with you, but I think that it's it's ridiculous. You know, he was he moved directly into Ricardo's braking line, and you see he had to to turn the wheel slightly, which locked up his front left. I think it was. And then that's just all over from there because he's not got the maximum retardation and, and they're both just going to sail off uh, into the distance on that one, I'm afraid. Sofa Lane makes a good point in the chat room. He's saying Vettel did not move in the braking zone. He positioned the car towards the apex and then went forward. He didn't move until he actually had to take the corner. So are we saying moving in the braking zone means travelling, that you have to continue travelling in the direction of the straight you've just come to? Can you not pick your line to the apex and then that counts as staying straight, Matt? Well, here's the question that I wanted to ask. And I'm going to ask Alex because they're not sure which one I'm asking. But I mean, I mean, I mean, Van Jean, of course. It looked to me that regardless of where Vettel positioned his car, that Ricardo was not forced to change his line in any significant fashion approaching that corner. And I- as such, I mean, there's like moving and there's moving. Was he was Vettel positioning himself to take the corner? He certainly there was plenty of room for Ricardo up the inside. I just don't know. I mean, I didn't see a replay from Ricardo's point of view. I'm hoping that maybe you did or maybe you caught that detail. So I did. And if you looked, I was looking away. I'm actually just trying to find it. I've got the sky paused. I'm trying to find it. Because because what you see is, um, and I'm going to show with my hands in the video, is because it's all you can see, is as Seb breaks, he keeps moving like that. And Daniel did have to move to the very inside of the circuit. And there is no way, not a chance in hell, that was his racing line. He was blocking off um, Danny because once they got to, once they got to near the apex, Seb moved right again to then come back in. Because that's the line you—that's the line you want to take. But didn't have enough time, and then he, he's caused Danny to really lock up. And something you will notice from any move that Daniel Rick has ever ever had, except for in Spain where he made a lunge into turn one, he doesn't lock up going into moves. He's very yeah. very good on the brakes. He's very very controlled whenever it comes to his overtaking maneuvers, and he was forced to be out of control. Exactly. The reason he locked up is because he had to move his steering wheel to the left ever so slightly, which meant his um, his if his front left wheel locked up. And then, as I say, that just totally reduces the, the, the rotation of the wheel, which means he can't brake as effectively. So he's not going to hit the apex at that point and push them both wide. And it, it, if you do look at the onboard map, it does it does definitely show that Vettel moved directly into his straight line of braking. And if Ricardo hadn't had unloaded the steering wheel, he would have hit him. Any well, comeback? That's Matt? rather naughty, isn't it? Absolutely. So we're in a complete agreement then, are we? I've completely lost track, Matt. Did we all agree? Uh, well, I think I think for the moment, I am satisfied. If, if Ricardo had to change his line and it was in the braking zone before you would normally take up your line to the apex, then yeah, that, that absolutely contradicts the uh, rule that 
contravenes the rule that Whiting put forth after the previous Grand Prix, before, before, after Japan, I believe it was. But it was amazing watching those cars wrestle under braking like that, wasn't it? That said, I would agree. It's kind of sad if we're going to lose that sort of sport. (laughs) Don't get me wrong. I don't want them to penalize them at all. I think it was fantastic just seeing them going wheel to wheel like that. Wonderful. But if you make a rule, you've got to penalize it. Otherwise, what's the point in having the rules? You might as well just let them have open combat and smash each other off like in tin tops. People think penal. Sorry, Matt. People think no, penalising them is going to stop them making moves. The no. racing drivers, they're not going to stop making moves because they might get a penalty. They'll think about that afterwards. If they see a gap, they're going to go for it. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what Senna said. If the, if the gap isn't, if you don't see the gap, then and you, you can't go for the gap, then you shouldn't Wait, do it. If you, no longer if you don't take see a the gap, gap, drive through it anyway. If you no yeah. longer... If you no longer go for a gap that exists, you are no longer a racing driver. You're all yeah, terrible sorry. at quotes. Shut up. So, sorry, Spanish, <laughs> but there is there is a major war of words. I've been documenting everything. Um, Helmut Marco, Nicky Lauda, Sebastian Vettel, James Allen, Martin Brundle, John Todd uh, has even been... Uh, all right, lay it out notified. for me, Goldie. Lean it, right. Lay it out. Okay. Now, the biggest thing is is that with um, said radio transmission with Herr Vettel at the end of the race... Yeah. The thing is, it is not Vettel's call what gets broadcasted. It's FOM's coverage director. Oh, I disagree. I don't, I don't disagree no, 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 with no. that fact. I disagree no, with the, where the responsibility is, lies. This is where it gets. This is where it gets interesting. Helmut Marco has been quoted in the German media as saying that it is unworthy of a four-time world champion. His choice of words weren't certainly first class. Completely agree. Um, Martin Brundle said on Twitter, suspect it went out live on Pitwall channels anyway, and that would have probably been the unedited version. Beeps could have been longer. Unacceptable language from Vettel. Hope they act. Uh, Johnny Herbert and Ted Kravitz have also said about this. And James Allen has actually brought a very interesting point. A distribute charge against Vettel hinges on the TV director broadcasting it. That was his decision, not Vettel's. And that's why Jean Toz, I think, taken notice of this. Yes, yes. I, I feel like all of the aforementioned individuals should move, remove the sticks from their rear ends <laughs> and look at how much free press this sort of thing will buy the sport. Now, hmm. you might, you, oh, everybody's shaking their head. Fact of the matter is, that was some serious entertainment when he went off on his radio rant. And that is why the commercial arm of the sport chose to play it. Once upon a time, Cursing was the way to make sure your radio broadcast did not make it to air. But it seems of late, perhaps the standards of the commercial arm has fallen along with that of the rest of the world. And now cursing is almost certainly cursing and whinging, etc. And so on is almost certainly the best way to get your voice on the radio. Unlike F1, DTM has fully uncensored real time audio messages on air. Um, on the German media. So you will hear every F-bomb, every whatever from any driver during the race. And that's in German media only. About the British one, I don't know if it, um, if there's any changes on that, but I don't watch BT Sports, so I wouldn't know. Um, I was going to say, from your go-karting the other day, Spanners, yep. we're, we're, doing, uh, we're driving around at, what, 30, 40 miles an hour indoors, and I think your helmet cam picked up a few <laughs> choice words. So, so I think that um, 
you know, it's all very well us us three sitting on our sofa here to saying that he shouldn't be using the F-bomb. But, you know, if he's driving at 230 miles an hour, inches away from, you know, catapulting himself into a wall, I think he's allowed. So the chat room have come up with some great comments, Matt. They've said, uh, well, they obviously never heard Senna speak. They said uh, Marco being disappointed proving towards his drivers who just took a podium off of one of his other drivers or something like that. Well, what a surprise. Um, the chat remember saying things like NASCAR is completely unedited. Are you really buying this, Matt? Uh, yeah, because they're agreeing with me. And of course, as you know, <laughs> I'm pretty much always right. Yeah, understood. Uh, but look, no, here's, here's the thing I'm going to say is on my karting, I wasn't going to be on telly. I knew there was going to be an edit afterwards. Uh, Vettel knows his comments are most likely going to get broadcast. He he knows that there is a chance that what he's going to say can get broadcast. They are not operating in a bubble. They have to start taking responsibility for what they say. Or you're saying to me, you can't watch F1 with your children because these guys, a four-time world champion, is going to set the example to my six-year-old, even if it's bleeped. I'm sorry, my six-year-old is smart enough to know what those words are going to be. Vettel is just sticking two fingers up to families watching F1 and saying, I don't care. If your six-year-old knows what those words are anyway, you need to take a deep breath and get over your sanctimonious self, my friend. Absolutely not. He knows those words because they exist. We try to set a good example, but all these people on TV, they, they also have either a responsibility to set an example or we just say F1 is not a family sport. Don't watch it with your family. I disagree wholeheartedly. They bleep out the bad words. It is what it is. If your kid knows what it is, then they're old enough to know what it is, and it's hardly going to shock them or even set a bad example. Frankly, you're not giving your kid enough credit. You'd be surprised how clever they can be once you just break it down and make it obvious for them. All right, so why why have a watershed at all then? Why do we bother saying to people on other live events, don't swear, if they can just do it on F1 and it's fine? They they bleep out the bad words in every sport these days. Once they started having on-field microphones and stuff like this, this was this was a problem that you face in every sport. You can't tell somebody in the midst. And, I, hey, you know, I've been there in bike races. I remember getting into screaming matches with my teammates about strategy sometimes. You think it's bad at 230 miles an hour. Wait until you're four, four hours into a 120-mile race and everybody is crashing because they wiped all the sugar out of their liver. You know, people people have tempers. I've seen fist fights at bike races before. These things happen. It's part of sport. Your adrenaline is up and your defenses are down. No, I disagree with that. We I think I think I'm on Spanish side here. In rugby, the the uh, actual proper version rather than the American football version, um, they have a, a ref cam and you never hear any any swearing on that because they they respect the referee and I, I don't think that you know swearing can be stopped and it, it, it should be but I understand why he did it because it, it, he still got the adrenaline going at the time whereas you know I, I don't know I just think that it's, it's not it's not just the swearing though Catman it's the fact that he all weekend he's been calling other drivers he's an idiot he's stupid he's this and that tell the steward tell the referee that he can go sling it it's just behaving in a horrid way but that's selection bias they play a lot of his radio you don't know what's being said by the other drivers and that's why you're completely off 
space with this. I guarantee you that if you had unedited comms from every single radio, you'd hear language like that throughout the entire race as your own helmet cam, TV or not, bears witness. Alex. Us talking about this deems why it's done. As in the sense of, we are talking about this. We're talking about Formula One. We're talking about Sebastian Vettel. That's why they play it out. It makes column inches, doesn't it? Of course which it was does. my point. It, which is, which is what it's all about. However, going taking it away from Watershed and the swearing side of things, being in a car, driving along, having things happen, you get hot-headed and you will swear at things. Happens during our 24-hour races when we've got radios on. However, um, him getting as irate as he has been doing lately is doing nothing but affecting him. His performance, yep. his driving, yep. everything is absolutely... Um, his performance is so much less um, because of the way he is acting at the moment. Max called him out on it in the pen, in the interview thing. Max pretty much called him out and said, he's just getting really frustrated at the moment and it's affecting him. When he was uh, Red Bull and everything was going so swimmingly... He never moaned, he never complained, and he was a full-time world champion. Because he's not winning, he's frustrated. Yes, but it's still entertaining. <laughs> These things can exist together. This is kind of my point here. Oh, I totally agree. I, I don't. It's, it's the director's, it's the TV director's um, decision to play that, and he plays it because it gets them, as you said, Catman, column inches. Okay, so let's put this in a bit of context. Matt, obviously, you're in New York, so it's absolutely nothing to to you. But here in central Bedfordshire, we have no truck with that kind of thing. Let's move on to the podium, boys. Okay, let's move on to the awards. Well, first off, what did we make of Max's reaction to being told that he couldn't get on the podium? Poor lad. I actually think he handled it pretty well, Goldie. Yeah, and um, there was uh, there was it looked like he was about to commit some sort of murder uh, scene just before the podium. His face <laughs> just told a perfect picture. It's just like a, a kid about to throw all the toys out the pram. And I have to give him credit where credit was due. He he said uh, when they said no, you're not on the podium anymore. He went okay and walked off camera. But the face, it was. I thought, hang on, are we going to see um, another? Lord of the Sith arise from the uh, the scenes of Red Bull. <laughs> Darth Stappen. And don't forget, he did leave a very sweaty towel for Vettel. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right, there you go, mate. Seconds. Shall we do some awards, Matt? Well, before we do that, I want to ask the panel a question. Do it. Because there was more anarchy than just Verstappen and Sebastian running down the pit lane. What did you make of Rosberg putting the wrong hat on after the race? I thought that you was highly stolen my missed apex. Oh. He had no idea about it either. He had absolutely no clue they had the hat on. You just see someone ask him the question, going, "You know, you got the wrong hat on, mate." And he goes, "Oh, so I do." <laughs> I was hoping he'd lob it at Lewis because that um, just made made oh, the papers. Cat but... Gate 2016. <laughs> oh, I wanted that so badly just to chuck it at Lewis. That would have been amazing. He should have just shoved it on his head because that would have been funny. Because Lewis is really, really, Lewis is really weird oh, about his hair, never. isn't he? So it would have been funny if he just slammed it on Lewis's head and just went cut the pats for good measure. <laughs> but it was also kind of genius because you could tell that that neither Lewis nor Nico really quite knew what was going on with Verstappen, 
And so when he departed, they kind of looked at each other and like, do you know what's going on? I don't really know what's going on. Although he did, Lewis admitted in a post-race interview, he was actually trying to watch the big TVs to figure out what was going on behind him <laughs> in the end of the race. He's like, I couldn't really tell what was going on. And they were like, oh, you should go watch. You should go watch right now. Awesome. Matt, who is your thing of the weekend? Who is my thing of the weekend? Mm, have to be Palmer. Yeah. Back of the grid to P14 when it all counted. The He he done good. He, he done very good. He made Magnuson look like, well, Magnuson. Jeansy was uh, <laughs> bigging up Palmer as well. He needed that win, didn't he? Yeah, I think it's been great. It, there's been a real growth in Jolie. And they, to be fair, they've been saying it all year. And I hadn't really believed it, that it takes Palmer a bit of time to learn, which is why it took him a while to get to the top of GP2. But you have. You've really seen him grow this year. I think he's. I think the last three or four races, I think he's been better than K-Mag, who I actually think is quite overrated. But that's my opinion on the whole thing. But um, no, I've been really impressed with, with, with JP. I think since he seems to have thought he's not going to have a drive next year, yeah, his performance has just gone up. Um, which hopefully will get him a drive next year because if he doesn't get a drive next year and JB's not going to be in it next year, we've got one British driver, which ain't good enough as far as I'm concerned as a British fan. I, I made that point last week that especially on the radio calls, he's come across as much more of a, an authority almost since the pressure has been off him because he's been the the rear runner, if you like, for that Renault seat. Catman? Yeah, and that's actually related to my thing of the week. So Nico Hulkenberg now has his seat secured for next year and he has absolutely trounced the pants off Perez this weekend. He was brilliant. I think he just had a, a weight lifted off his shoulders and went back to his very best. That's because there was no podium on offer. If there was a podium on offer, Perez <laughs> would have nicked it. Jeansy, uh, you missed out your thing of the weekend. Um I'm sticking with it. I said it a couple of, I said it during practice, but it's uh, during qualifying, but it's still got to be Seb requesting whether he can go for a P um, during his, during his in-lap. I, I, I can't, I can't outlive that. That's brilliant. I thought it was hilarious. It properly cracked me up. Goldie, what's your thing of the weekend? Fernando Alonso's save on lap one. That's my thing of the weekend. Yeah. Cause he was given a big old shove there, wasn't he? Well, I don't think even Carlos Sainz actually saw him in his mirrors either because uh, everyone was sort of barreling into turn one. I think Alonso got a pretty good start off the line, if I remember correctly. And, um, yeah, was trying to go around the outside of Carlos. I think it was up, coming out of turn three or four, going down the second straight, and then Carlos has just like not even seen him and gone, oh. And it's a, it was a huge tank slapper. I'm, I'm really glad that he didn't have any... Uh, there wasn't any contact between the two. I saw that when I was when you were seeing the footage live from the first lap, and you saw someone go in the grass coming mm. that back that I thought it was going to be a massive smash. I, I, was, I, I was waiting for bits to fly everywhere and the race to be red flagged. That's yeah. how big a moment that looked like. Yeah, and I thought it was potentially going to be. I mean, I thought, oh, hang on, that's Alonso in the grass. Oh, hopefully we don't have a, another Albert Park situation arise again. Hats off to him to uh, to keeping it on the uh, back onto the uh, asphalt. Okay, my thing of the weekend. Sorry, Matt, did I not do you? No, you did. But the chat room had a thing of the week, and I was going to go to it, but that's okay. Do it, man. I know we're running. Do it. It man. was it was Botas, two hundred thirty-one miles an hour, top speed. Yeah, but isn't two hundred thirty-one that... miles an hour? 
yeah, but that's, that's fast. That's just because they can't put downforce on the car, therefore it goes fast. That's almost as fast as I go here in New York. Did that did that beat Bottas's fastest uh, speed at Baku this year though? I'm not sure it's actually the fastest ever been recorded, but it's not. It might well be the fastest officially recorded, which is a bit of a slightly. Uh, wasn't it? Wasn't it two three six at Baku? Yeah, and it was two three one here, wasn't it? Okay, let's go on to the bad thing. Okay, so my miss the apex is Nico Rosberg for two things. Firstly, utterly failing to lift his mechanic up. I was like, Nico, bro, do you even lift? He was, yeah. He, 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 <laughs> Lewis is like, yeah, I can lift this guy. Absolutely no problem at all. And Nico's <laughs> like, eh. my one for this one um, has got to be Perez. I mean, his racecraft today was terrible. Him trying to overtake Massa through turn one several times. He made the complete wrong choice three times was it in a row? I'm not saying it was in a row, but definitely the same same poor choice three times trying to go into turn two up the inside. It was never going to work when he could have easily got the switch back and done what um, Ricardo tried to do to Seb, what Max tried to do to Rosberg, and he just fluffed it up. So Perez, poor performance at home. Goldie. Pointless. I'm, I'm going to give this one to, to Vettel, and it's for something quite unusual. Um, he was interviewed by Sky Sports F1 after the race and accidentally said Mark instead of Max. Remember Multi-21, anybody? Catman, who missed the apex for you? Well, I wrote down about six of them, but I'll go for my favourite one, which was at the end of the race, um, Lewis stood on the weighing scales, tried to look down at his weight, but he was still wearing his helmet, and it was too close to the wall, and he bashed his helmet on the wall. So, <laughs> for me, my that wife was my noticed favorite. that one. I missed that. <laughs> it was it was classic. I loved it. Uh, that just leaves you, Matt. Who missed the apex for you? Well, of course, it would have to be Pirelli for bringing the loathsome medium tire, which lasted forever and about fifty laps, as far as I could tell, and would have probably gone farther had they extended the race till everyone ran out of fuel. I think we're going to talk about that in much more detail next week, Matt, because for me, this reminded me very much of an old style Formula One race. And certainly the people who've been calling, oh, it's chocolate tyres. OK, here's your wish. Here's what what races would look like if the tyres lasted forever. Uh, so, you know, maybe there is a bit of method to the, the Pirelli style tyre uh, madness. But we'll definitely, definitely go into that in another in another show. Ooh, this could be a bit of a bit of a long one but let's try our best to get through it daddy i want a pony and i want it now one of the patrons sent me an email saying hey any chance i could get that mp3 to as my ringtone for when my son calls me absolutely sent it straight to him uh we can try and provide that service if you wish daddy i want a pony award i could just say all the stuff about vettel again so vettel gets it for me catman you had a different one I did. Uh, Perez was mine. He uh, he sat there going, so so why did you box me so late? And then literally a lap later went, but you should have boxed me earlier. I don't understand. So, yeah, that was that was my pony for him. And, and to be honest, that's what this is why I think he's not a top class driver, why he shouldn't be in a Ferrari, because, you know, he, he gets he's great when there's an alternative strategy available and he can just blast it to the podium, like you all said, but when actually the chips are down and he's got something, you know, he's not got a a tire advantage to rely on. He just can't get the job done. So there you go. 
I was gonna go. I was gonna go for Seb, but actually, I'm gonna go for Riva Bene because when um, Max jumped across the first corner, we just kept on getting shots of Riva Bene going mental on the on the pit wall. It was hilarious. So that's my um, that's my pony award, Riva Bene. And that just leaves you, Mister Trumpets. Or oh, well, no, you you think all this behaviour is just fine, surely? Oh, I do, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to give them awards for it. In fact, I would have to go with the entirely overlooked, because we heard nothing from them in the race, but still highly entertaining, Romain Grosjean, yet again complaining of undrivable cars and brakes that are not working properly. To be completely fair, those brakes do not work properly. Yeah, it's true, they don't. But still, you didn't hear Buemi saying anything when both of his wheels fell off in China now, did you? (laughs) No, it would have been bleeped out. (laughs) (laughs) So on that note, they are actually bringing a new brake material supplier to Brazil to test in practice. They they currently with Brembo and they're taking carbon industry brakes to Brazil to actually try them out in practice, see if they can cure their woes. Sorry, go ahead. No, I think that just leaves Goldie if you've got a pony award. Uh, I do, actually. Um, An unusual one, really about Daniel Ricciardo saying that he should have been on the podium, not Sebastian Vettel. Well, I think he had a point. <laughs> I still agree with that, definitely. Do, do we have any news of whether of whether the stewards have given a penalty? Uh, still waiting the word. I've been following numerous German media publications, the official Formula 1 tweet, Twitter feed as well. Nothing coming through yet that I will let you know if there is. We may, may not be right, but we're first. I strongly suspect that they're going to bottle it on that decision. They're going to give him a, a stern talking to and tell him not to do it again. Uh, but what, what grates me about Vettel, though, is that he seems to have been the very first one to criticise people for that kind of driving, the very first one to criticise people for first-turn incidents. And this season, he's been clattering into everyone at turn one, and now he's just danced about in the braking zone. And it hurts me, Matt. It hurts my racing brain yeah well i mean you know that that is one of those uh, the the rules are for thee but not for me kind of situations to be honest with you there's nothing on the official fia site yet either it may be some time i suspect in the end they're going to pretty much accuse verstappen of having not given way therefore having caused the whole mess and they're just going to take a punt but you know well we shall see it's not yet determined all right, then, very quickly, just, just shout it out. Who's your driver of the day? Mine, of course, is Max Verstappen, Matt. Well, it was Palmer, of course. I mean, Oh, you, you weren't going to follow the joke of everybody voting for Max Verstappen. Oh, well, we'll have to settle for finding out where we can find Chris Catman-Turner on the internet. Yep, so you can find me uh, doing the occasional thing for F1 Fanatic, also on my eBay page, selling all of my random Formula 1 stuff so that I can fund this child that I've spawned. Um <laughs> And yeah, that's about it. Really. You'll never afford it. <laughs> uh, Catman, feel free to post any of those items on spannersready.com. We'll advertise it through the website for you. Goldie, where can we find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me at Alex underscore G 1977. So yes, find all my t- tin top ramblings there, my own views and a few other projects that hopefully I will be able to announce for 2017, including maybe even formula E spanners. So, uh, there we go exciting times ahead for me so proper racing where you can't just slide past bumper car style jeansy how much of a discount will you give me on a boiler i can give you a 10 year 10 year warranty if you want that 
and oh. a free flu and some other bits and pieces to go with it. Don't worry, I'll get you set up with some decent German technology. Is this not an appropriate um, forum? Where can people find you on Twitter? Uh, I'm at, at Alex Van Jean, or if you're on PS4 and you like your sim racing, I'm on Alex Van Jean on PSN. Um, I've got Project 4 uh project for racing on facebook where you can join us and see some of our racing we're racing at catalonia tomorrow and i'm going to try really really hard to um stream our first race um which is going to be a really really tight one testing's been really really close so we're racing at catalonia from half past eight tomorrow night good and of course you tend to advertise that thing in the missed ace in the missed apex facebook group so come join us there matt lastly you where can people find you yelling at clouds at MattPT55 on the Twitters, as you all know. And go buy a book or two of my wife's just to keep her happy. It's been a tough day. I've been locked up in the shed for a long period of time. And why not check out our work at www.spannersready.com. We've got a couple of exciting young writers there who, more importantly than anything else, are willing to do it for free. But they are good. Check it out at The Spanners Place. Follow me at Spanners Ready. Join us next week on Missed Apex Podcast. And remember that wounds heal, chicks dig scars, and glory lasts forever. Hashtag We're not willing to do it for free. We just haven't got a choice. That's, yeah, so slavery, basically. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) No one's going to pay us to do this stuff. (laughs) Is now when I say comment of the week. Oh, hold on a minute. I've got a bumper for that. Comment of the week. Oh, you want me to give comment of the week. Very well. I think the comment of the week had to come from Heartbreak Ridge paraphrasing fake Charlie Whiting. Quote, we may be more serious about mouth limits than track limits. Yes, well, he did get a direct personal insult. So I completely understand that. Thank you very much for that. And we're out. Comment of the week. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. 